You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. Here we are in the Christmas season, and we're celebrating the coming of Jesus into human history. And the question that we want to focus on today is the question of why. Why did Jesus come to earth? Well, let me start with some words of Jesus that give us clues as to his mission. There are many facets as to why he came. Here are two examples from the Gospel of John. John chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. He came to do the Father's will. And then we read this a couple chapters later in John 8. I have come here. Again, this is Jesus. I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. So Jesus has taught on more than one occasion that he is eternal God who lived in heaven. That he has been sent by God the Father into human history on a mission as a human being. And part of that mission we saw last week was to fulfill all of God's promises from the Old Testament. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 5. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. Now that phrase, law of prophets, is a New Testament way of referring to the Old Testament. Again, he says, do not think that I have come to abolish the Old Testament. I have not come to abolish those laws of the prophets, but to fulfill them. He's saying, I have not come to get rid of, dismiss, diminish the Old Testament. I've come to fulfill it all. So putting all this together, we have some good insight as to Jesus' role on earth. He says, I have come sent by the Father into human history as a human being to be on a mission to do his will. And the Father's will is that I would fulfill and accomplish everything that the Old Testament has promised, predicted, and anticipated. This means to understand more fully as to why Jesus came, we have to connect his life and ministry to the promises in the Old Testament. As we study the Old Testament, there are three offices, three roles that are predominant, and Jesus fulfills all three of them. They are prophet, priest, and king. The prophet speaks for God. The priest serves for God. The king rules for God. So Jesus comes as the embodiment of all three, prophet, priest, and king. And so we need to look at Jesus in light of these three roles. That's part of the reason why he came. We'll start with prophet. When you think about Old Testament prophets, you usually think of a person who is pretty courageous and bold because they've got to speak to the people, what they know to be true from God. They then proclaim 
they reveal what God is saying to the people. And a lot of times, it's confrontational. Jesus is coming to fulfill that role that was promised all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 18. Let me share with you a couple of verses. This is Moses speaking, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. In other words, somebody's going to be coming. Among your fellow Israelites, he'll be a Jew. You must listen to him. A little later, he says, I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. Moses is declaring that one day an even greater prophet would come. And that prophet would supersede all others. Deuteronomy 18 is directly quoted in Acts chapter 3 as having been fulfilled by Jesus Christ. So Jesus comes as the prophet, but more than that. You see on more than 200 occasions, I think 221 to be exact, the Old Testament has phrases like, the word of the Lord came to me, or thus says the Lord. And it was the prophet's understanding that, okay, God is speaking through their heart to the people. So the word of the Lord came to me. I'm sharing with you what the Lord declares. But Jesus does something different. Rather than saying, this is the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says to you. Let me share with you. Jesus says things like this from the Sermon on the Mount. I tell you the truth. I declare to you. What that means is that Jesus is saying that not only is he the prophet that is speaking the truth of God, he's the God from whom the truth comes. Again, this is how it worked out in the Old Testament. Truth would come from God to the prophet and then from the prophet to the people. Jesus says, I am God. So the truth comes from me. I'm speaking it. And he would appeal to his own authority as God. That's why over 500 times in the gospel of John alone, Jesus says, truly I say unto you. Or I tell you the truth. Jesus relied on his own authority. And that's why those who heard him said, this man teaches different than anybody else. He has an authority that's beyond compare. So Jesus comes as a prophet, but not just a prophet because he is God. So for some of us, that's the hardest role of Jesus to be in for us. Not because we don't understand it, but because we understand it all too well. Jesus speaks the truth. And the result is, much like the Old Testament prophets, we don't want to hear what he has to say because usually it involves our sin. And it's something like repent, turn around. You're going this way, go this way. You're going away from God, come back toward God. Generally, that's the phrase that comes out of the Old Testament because uh, the Old Testament prophets, because their ministry is to point out sin and error and hard-heartedness in our life. And these prophets 
were courageous. They were clear in order to convict you. But we've got to understand Jesus this way so that when conviction comes, we're not confused. You see, it would work this way. You read the Bible and you realize God is holy and good and you're not. And you feel convicted and you're supposed to. So you can repent and confess your sins to God and that he can help you reorient your life toward his purposes so that you can be obedient. This is how Jesus comes to us as a prophet, to confront us, to call us to repentance, to speak to the dark spots in our life and say, go and sin no more. As he said to the woman who was caught in adultery. And he would have said the same thing to the man had he been brought before Jesus. You know, like, knock it off. This is wrong. Because this is urgent. So Jesus comes as this truth-telling prophet. But in addition, he comes as a loving, humble, kind, merciful priest. I'll give you some examples, but first let me explain to you what the Old Testament priest's role is. The Old Testament priest is one who mediates. He's the intercessor between the people and God. So in other words, what the priest would do is take the hopes, the dreams, the fears, the sins of the people to God as a mediator, to intercess on their behalf in prayer. And at times too, he would offer sacrifice on behalf of their sins because their sins were real. And death is what's the result of sin. So the sacrifice would be made in order to appease those sins and show them that God has mercy and forgiveness. Jesus comes as a human being into human history as a priest, and he becomes a human being to identify with us. So as both man and God, he can represent us to God and God to us because he is God. And because of his humanity, he understands what it's like for us to live in this world. That's why the Apostle Paul says this in 1 Timothy 2. For there is one God, one mediator, between God and all of humans, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. He's the only mediator we have. I'll give you two places in scripture that speak to this. They both come from the New Testament book of Hebrews, which is a book that's a lot about Jesus as priest, Jesus as sacrifice. So Jesus is not only priest, he is also the lamb. The perfect lamb without spot, blemish, sin, who shed his blood to take away our sins and give us peace with God. Hebrews 9.26 is the first place we want to look at. Jesus has appeared once and for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. So Jesus is like a priest who offers a sacrifice. What is that sacrifice? It's himself. You see, Jesus is the lamb who is slain, shedding his blood for my sin. That means Jesus' 
serving me goes beyond his death. Because Jesus didn't just die and that was the end of it. Jesus rose. Jesus is alive and well today. This means Jesus has an ongoing ministry even to this very moment where he is interceding for us before the Father. Here's what it says in Hebrews 7. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. This means Jesus' ministry didn't end at his death. He rose, he ascended, he is alive and well today. He continues to function in this priestly role for you and for me. You know what that means? Jesus is actually paying attention. <laughs> he's paying attention to me, not because I'm a great Kai, but because he's a great God. And the Bible says that Jesus knows every hair on our head. He knows every day of our life. He knows our desires, our yearnings, our thoughts, our hearts, our fears. He's paying attention. What a wonderful truth that Jesus didn't just go back into heaven to abandon us. Instead, he's paying so much attention right now that he is interceding for you. So when you think of a priest, think of one who comes alongside as a friend who walks with you. So to put these two together, then the prophet is the one who says, all right, here's what you must do. And the priest comes along and says, I'll help you do that. This makes Jesus different than every other God. Every other religion that invents a God, that God tells you what to do and what not to do. Only Christianity offers you a God in Jesus who gets off the throne, comes down into human history, and humbly serves you, loves you, befriends you, walks with you, gives you grace and peace. And here's what he says. Okay, here's what I demand of you. But I know you're incapable of doing that. So I'm here to help you. Because with me, you can do that. That's the priestly role of Jesus. Let me, let me give you a couple of examples from Scripture. First from Luke 19.10, Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus sees every one of us as lost, and he's come to do what? He's come to find us. Man, that's, that's loving, that's merciful, that's compassionate. People are lost. I must go look for them and rescue them. Well, let me show you how that happened in the New Testament, how he went on a rescue mission. Let me give you one example. From Matthew chapter 9, we read this. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Okay, so what's Matthew's job? He's a tax collector. Does anyone love Matthew? No. How many of you love the IRS? How many of you are like, you know what? I need a friend. I think I'll go down to the tax office. 
it's not going to happen. And it worked this way for Matthew in his day. He would collect taxes for the Roman government, even though he was a Jew, so he was a total traitor. And any additional funds that he could get out of you was a bonus for him. So this is basically extortion. He rips people off for a living. If he comes to your house, it's a very bad day in every way. He's going to tell you what you owe, and he's going to try to squeeze more out of you so he can get more money for himself. That's the way he makes his living. No one likes this guy. Where's he sitting? In the tax booth. Who comes by? Jesus. Well, Jesus says to him, the same verse, follow me. Matthew got up immediately followed him next verse while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house do you think anybody ever had dinner at Matthew's house he's the reject he's the outcast he's the guy no one likes no one wants to hang out with Matthew Jesus does Jesus picks as a friend to have dinner with one of the most crooked, corrupt folks in all of town. Well, who else shows up? It says here, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Well, that's not all. Next verse. When the Pharisees saw this, all right, the religious guys, they don't get a star in the scriptures. These are the worst kind of religious people. These are the ones who look down on others and make judgments because they're hypocritical and self-righteous. So that fuller verse, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why does he hang out with sinners and rebels and lawbreakers? Why does he hang out with freaks and weirdos and nut jobs and wrestling fans? <laughs> Why? Why is he with those guys? Why doesn't he hang out with nice people like us? Next verse on hearing this. Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. It's like going to a hospital and, and saying, well, how come the doctor's here? Why is Jesus hanging out with sinners? Because they need salvation. See, religious people stand back and they say, those people are messed up. Right. So they need love and mercy and grace and friendship and encouragement and help. They need someone to love them. And religious people don't get that. Jesus concludes this story with Matthew with this verse. But go and learn what this means. He's talking to the Pharisees. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. And the verse that probably sums all this up best is this from Hebrews 4.15. 
For we do not have a high priest, that's Jesus, who is unable. We don't have one who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. We have a high priest who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus is sympathetic. You say, you know what, I'm being tempted. Jesus was tempted. He understands. So you can run to him because he is there to offer help. You say, you know what, I'm feeling weak or sick. I'm suffering. I'm disappointed. I have things that have gone wrong between my family and my friends and myself. And Jesus sympathizes. He came into human history. Though he is God and he lived a human life, Jesus was tempted. Jesus had friends betray him. Jesus had family members turn their backs on him. He was homeless, rejected, lied about. He lost people he loved. Jesus sympathizes. Jesus understands. The cool part of all this is that Jesus isn't a God who stands back and gives orders and has no idea what it's like to live in this sinful, cursed, fallen world. Jesus comes in all humility, walked the earth, lived this life, and understands where we are and what we're going through so that when we need him most, we can run to him. And he gives grace and mercy and forgiveness and encouragement and friendship and help and support and unbelievable patience. So Jesus has revealed himself as prophet. That is one who speaks the truth. So we've got to listen and repent. And then he reveals himself as priest, the one who serves, who walks alongside, who makes obedience possible. And then the third ministry, his third role is that of king. That Jesus rules over all people, times, and places, over all cultures, over every aspect of our life. That's what it means when we say Jesus is Lord. You know, when we talk about Jesus as our Lord and Savior, Savior is the part where he died on the cross to save us from our sins, shed blood. Jesus as Lord means he wants to be king over every aspect of our life. Jesus speaks of himself as king in John 18 when he says this to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. So Jesus has a kingdom. He is a king, but his rule and his reign extends over all creation. He is the king of kings. It extends over the visible creation and the invisible creation. That is the material world and the spiritual world. This means that Jesus' reign and rule extends over all aspects of our life. Let me read this to you from John 10, 10. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. One of the reasons Jesus came as our king was to give us life, a full life. And that full life is lived with him being over us. 
So Jesus as Lord means that he rules and reigns over all nations and tribes and tongues and languages and cultures and religions and philosophies. Jesus as Lord means, and let me get real practical with you. He has jurisdiction over your addiction. He has jurisdiction over your credit card. He has jurisdiction over your friends and your hobbies and your choice of entertainment. He has jurisdiction over your job and your work ethic. He has jurisdiction over your driving habits. And I hate to say that publicly because now I'm accountable. That means there is no part of the Christian life that can or should be lived apart from the rule of Jesus. Now, let me tell you why all this matters, that Jesus is prophet, priest, king, that we need all three. This is how it works. Let's say you get this desire to start reading the Bible. I hope you do. As you're reading the Bible, you start realizing who Jesus is and that you're a sinner. But that he has lived and died and rose. He is God. And you start feeling convicted of pride, sin, the desires of your heart. That's Jesus working on you, coming to you as a prophet and saying, stop Repent, turn around, get out, go somewhere else. And then he comes to you as a priest and says, I'll forgive you, I'll change you, I'll walk with you, I'll give you mercy, encouragement, and help, I'll be your friend. All of a sudden, you love reading the Bible and you're learning about Jesus, and it starts to dawn on you that Jesus as king means you got to start reorienting your thinking. So Jesus as king, what does that mean for my college major? Jesus as king, what does that mean for my work ethic? Jesus as king, what does that mean for my money? I need to start tithing. What does that mean for my schedule? I need to start going to church and being involved in a Sunday school class or a Bible study or something. What does it mean for my relationships? And now you start realizing this affects everything my income, my work, my sexuality, my friendships, my schedule. It's going to change my marriage, my kids, my politics, my ethics. Jesus is over everything. And I've got to look at everything in my life and figure out, okay, how does this connect with Jesus now that I'm a Christian? I'm telling you this because I believe that you will not and cannot have a full understanding of Jesus, a real, vibrant, life-giving relationship with Jesus unless you understand how he comes to us in these three roles. So there are times that he will come to you as prophet to speak very pointedly, very truthfully, very clearly to call you to repentance, to point out your sin. And it's very powerful and it's very compelling when he does. And if you repent, Jesus will come alongside of you as priest to love you, encourage you, to talk with you, to be your friend, to give you grace and mercy and forgiveness and counsel and patience and instruction so that you can start to live a new life of obedience. And you know, the more you walk with him, 
you see that it goes from issue to issue. You're like, you know what? We've got this one down pretty good, me and Jesus. But now I see a whole other area of mess in my life. All right? So we need to work on that one now. And once you've done that, he reveals something else. There's another aspect of your life that needs work. What I found is that that's the Christian life. There are seasons of conviction where Jesus is prophet. There are seasons of change and transformation where Jesus is priest. And there are seasons of his kingship where you see how Jesus is not rightly connected to some aspect of your life and he's inviting you to work with him to transform your life. And the reason I'm emphasizing all of this because I'm assuming that every one of us has strengths and weaknesses when it comes to our understanding of Jesus, especially along these three lines. Maybe you really get the Jesus as prophet part. You say, yeah, I know the Bible's true. Jesus speaks to me. He speaks the truth. He points out my sin. I, I get it. For some of you, what you need right now is the Jesus as priest part. He loves me. He walks with me. He's encouraging. He's, he's inviting. He's welcoming. How many of you get the kingship part? He's over every aspect of your life. It's all about Jesus. The problem is if you don't understand all three, you will have a diminished view of Jesus and it will have devastating effects on your life as a Christian. He wants you to be clear. You see, as you seek to grow in your understanding of Jesus as prophet, priest, and king, I assure you it will change everything. And you will love him like you've never loved him before. You will enjoy being with him like you've never enjoyed being with him before. And the times you need him most, you can run to him, not from him, because you will understand that he alone can help you in your time of need, and he will sympathize with you. And he will receive you in his love. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.